So I think one kind of big thing that's still on people's mind, especially kind of now that we've got, you know, a time frame for when gyms are going to be open again and stuff is still kind of the idea of home training, especially for kind of these last few weeks and how we can actually be gearing that much more efficiently to, you know, transfer nicely to when gyms open and actually being much yeah. more effective with, with what we're doing at home. Because I think what we're seeing a lot through this kind of situation is kind of due to people, you know, wanting to kind of find out more about training and, you know, trying to make their home training more effective is unfortunately uh, just, you know, inherently comes with it is a lot of misinformation. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, especially when you consider kind of implications of people kind of trying to sell programs and stuff and, you know, kind of cash in on opportunities like these. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, that leads to kind of the quality of the information that's out there. Uh, eventually becoming a little skewed for the worst. Um, so I think that kind of begs the question, uh, you know, how, how can we actually, you know, look at our training at home and make smart decisions to, you know, transfer well to, to when gyms open and actually have some sort of benefit to us, even if maybe not even in kind of the, the most typical ways that, that we would think. And I think uh, a good kind of starting point for, for something like that is obviously due to, kind of the, the load or lack thereof uh, that we have available at home to kind of you know, use, uh, people should kind of take into consideration what exercises they're, they're actually doing. And if their exercise selection actually you know, matches appropriately the, the loading that they've got available and what that's actually doing for them in terms of, in terms of outcome. Because I think, for example, you have you know, people who, who are diehard believers in you know, squats for big legs, squats for big legs, which is, yeah, fair enough. But when we consider that, you know, if you've only got kind of like 40 kilos and a, and a little barbell available, then if you're used to squatting, you know, seriously big boy weight, then unfortunately, that's probably not going to be enough to, to cut it for, for big legs, even if one could argue that in general terms, squats, you know, might be a good movement for, for big legs. So instead of doing that, are people perhaps better off doing, you know, single leg alternatives like lunges? Are they perhaps better off looking at movements, you know, like the what's now kind of become the infamous foam roller wall hack where you can kind of take your knee into, you know, a really, really great degree of knee flexion and really okay. challenge the quad for, from kind of more of a, a mechanical point of view, uh, you know, more, more kind of consideration of exercises and, and mechanics. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so touching on that last point is that, yeah, you know, most people, it, this kind of leads into the, the the whole argument of, well, maybe you should spend this time doing things you would normally neglect in the gym. And so to start, we can touch on that last point of saying, well, taking your, I suppose, your body into a position of, you know, these extreme ranges of motion that you would never normally spend time in is going to be so, so important, not just for things like injury prevention, but also for actual muscle gain itself. So like you said, you know, we've got a lack of load. So we need to make it harder somehow. And again, if you're not used to spending time in these extreme range of motion, then you don't need much load to go there in the first place. And, you know, again, looking at the, say the squats, the great thing about spending time, you know, in these positions is that when you go back to squatting, you're now going to have this greater ability to have a, a full, a, like a greater range of motion in total, which again is only going to lead to more muscle gain and you know better injury prevention. Mm -hmm. um, but you're also going to have way, way more control in those ranges as well. So 
you know, it just makes sense now to do this style training so that you can set yourself better up for when you get back in the gym. Now, there's not just spending more time in the extreme range of motion. There's also things like, you know, your actual core strength and stability, your balance, your coordination, and your control. These are all skills which you could really, really ingrain and practice and perfect right now at home when, again, when you don't really have much option to do anything but that kind of thing. And again, it's not just about how that can be done at home now. It's about how that's going to transfer when you get back in the gym. So again, I'm glad you brought the squat because that's just such a great example for all of these things. So again, if we spend more time in a more of a lengthened and more of a contracted position, well, again, at the bottom of the squat, you're going to be much more powerful. You're going to be, get, be able to get the, out the hole a lot better. Uh, and therefore, you're not going to be limited in terms of load by you know your weakest point in the motion. Um, another thing is obviously a squat requires a huge amount of balance and stability. So if you can improve those things right now, again, it's not just about injury prevention, but it's also going to mean uh, more greater hypertrophy, more load lifted, um, and so and just better overall movement. Um, and if we look beyond the gym. We could we could argue that if you you know if you again if you spend some time improving core strength stability coordination balance all that sort of thing uh, you're going to improve quality of life as well like what's the most common I want to say injury what's the most common injury uh, among just every adult in the UK or just the world back. lower back pain right <laughs> yeah so if we can do these things to at the very least help manage lower back pain then quality of life is going to increase as well so it just makes sense to spend some time at home when you don't have much load and you have many other options to work on these skills as you would as you could call them yeah yeah definitely definitely great points there uh i think i think everything that people could even kind of consider as you said kind of the actual application of these principles to hypertrophy in the long term and thinking well even if i'm maybe not in the most optimal position at home to you know really you know put on slabs of muscle to my frame are there ways which I could better benefit myself to then when I get back into the gym, actually make myself more efficient at, at doing that? Yeah. And as you said, you know, as, especially when, when, you know, I think, I think now kind of the whole, you know, active range of motion things kind of looked at much more kind of uh, objectively and, and, you know, some people really do swear by, you know, active range. Some people still really swear by full range uh, as opposed to kind of active range. But uh, as you said, you know, does does that mean that there's no room for kind of trying to improve one one's active range by kind of spending more time in, in those more extreme ranges of motion, potentially slightly more kind of passive ranges? Is that going to potentially have a, an impact on, you know, our ability to actually, you know, Im improve our active range in these movements when we get back to the gym, in our ability to have more control in these ranges of, of, of motion? Yeah. It, as, you, as you mentioned, kind of stability and balance. Yeah, the, these are all things which we can kind of look at in our home training, which, you know, may not put slabs of muscle on us at the moment, but when kind of improved upon can lead to, to much better kind of yeah. outcomes in hypertrophy later on yeah. down the line. Uh, I think I think that's a, a really good way of looking at Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And, you know, do, yeah. do new things during this period. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's like, you know, it's what we always preach. It's, it's this ability to think long term. You know, what can you do now to set yourself up better in the future? And again, 
it's not like you even really have much of an option to be able to do this stuff anyway. So it just, why not spend some more time focusing on things like balance, coordination, um, stability, that sort of thing, you know? Most people right now, I still see them doing RDLs with really light dumbbells. It's like, well, what do you, if you're used to shifting a load of weight, what, what are you going to get out of that? Why not learn to do a single leg RDL? It's a really, really, really hard movement. It's a really challenging movement. But why not learn to do that? Because it's just going to transfer so well when you go back into the gym. So, you know, again, because you have to have so much balance and stability, you have to have a lot of control to be able to do that as well. So if you can really control your, your hip movement, then think about how much better your, again, the control when you're under a seriously heavy load is going to be. And again, it's that's going to lead to better injury prevention, but also better muscle gain. You know, there's a, a pretty good rule of thumb that I like to stick to, and that is just about anything that helps with injury prevention is also going to help with better hypertrophy. Yeah, yeah. So you get a two for one when you do these types of things. Um, and so I don't personally don't really see a downside. And you know, ask yourself, really ask yourself, when was the last time you actually challenged your balance? Uh, <laughs> can you answer that? Probably not. So these are typical things that pretty much everyone neglects. And it's like, it's no wonder you know, people get injured all the time, or it's no wonder people just have, you know, lose a lot of control and say the bottom of the squat. It's no, it's no wonder a lot of people just can't squat flat out because they don't have this ability to go into that range. Or, um, well, to be fair, a lot of people like to put it down to sort of mobility. And for some people, it definitely is. Um, some people just don't have the ankle mobility to, to fully squat. But actually, you'll notice that a lot of people in their warm ups, they'll be able to get to the bottom of the squat. It looks like a good squat but you start to add loads to the bar and they lose control in that bottom range of motion. And that's where the squat turns to shit. Mm. So again, it just makes sense to then right now fix that pro fix that problem, spend some time in these extreme range of motion, learn to get control there, um, spend some time working on your stability, your balance, your coordination. So that again, when you go back in the gym, all these big movements, you now have full control over, you probably get a greater range of motion. A greater range of motion is going to mean uh, better hypertrophy and guess what it's also going to mean better injury prevention um so it, i've said it so many times already but it just makes perfect sense to spend time doing these things right now yeah for sure for sure uh and i think i think what's actually kind of important to consider is a bit of a caveat and you know when when we talk about considering trying new things that we may not necessarily be be used to that then kind of opens up that whole kind of worms of, of misinformation so you know, I think, unfortunately, the idea of people potentially looking to, to kind of do new things with their training has unfortunately led to some people kind of going down this path of, you know, perhaps learning information which actually isn't benefiting themselves as, as, as much as they, they think. Um, I, I think one thing which has become very popular is in, in the quest, you know, rightly so, to, you know, elicit a better stimulus with, with home training. A lot of people are seeking methods which demand more effort from their training. So, you know, looking at things like drop sets, supersets, all sorts yeah. of intensifiers. But I think what a lot of people don't stop to consider is how they actually kind of utilize these in their training, you know, and, yeah. and ingredients is an ingredient. But if you don't know how to actually put that into, you know, a specific recipe, then yeah. it doesn't it doesn't matter how good that ingredient is on its own. It's, it's about yeah. kind of the overall outcome that we're looking at here. So 
I think for for example, one one of the one of the very popular ones at the moment is kind of looking at supersets and, and tying in you know movements together, particularly when we're looking at movements for the same muscle. I think you know more so when we're looking at kind of antagonistic muscle groups. You know, supersets maybe have a bit more of a place where they're not kind of impacting performance as as much. But I think especially when we're looking at home training, again, kind of the, the lack of load available has people doing things like one, one I saw the other day was kind of a, a floor press, a, a dumbbell floor press for chest and then uh, supersetted with uh, a squeeze press uh, with, the, with the dumbbells. And I couldn't help but think, what are you actually trying to get out of this superset? Where was yeah. the thought process? when you put these, these, these things together. Because again, you've, you've got ingredients there, but unless you're actually using those in a recipe to create a specific outcome, then you know, don't, don't use those, those special ingredients because it actually ends up you know, doing you more, more harm than good because are you then potentially impacting your overall performance by you know, poor, poor choice of, of movements to be supersetted together and stuff like that. If it's not for, yeah. you know, a specific purpose, like fatiguing the muscle in different ranges and, 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 you know, can considering ways that you could use supersets for a better stimulus and don't use it because it'll probably actually end up, you know, probably reducing your performance, reducing the, the, the progression in the long term, And unfortunately that means that you're probably not going to, you know, get the muscle gain that you're trying to by doing that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and that just comes down to the basics of programming. The said principle, a specific adaptation to an imposed demand. So what that really means is what are you trying to achieve? Okay, so you know what you're trying to achieve, you know what the goal is, let's work backwards. How do we achieve that? What do we need to do to achieve that? And so, you know, any methods that you choose to do, it has to lead you directly down that path to achieve that goal. It has to make sense. Um, and that, you know, that superset you just mentioned there is very nonsensical. Like, ask yourself, what is this actually doing? How is it, you know, how is it helping me to achieve my goal? And, you know, it's, it's not good enough just to say, well, it feels hard because, well, what does that actually achieve? You know, anything can feel hard. Um, I'm trying to think of a really silly. Do you have a, a really silly example of something that can feel hard that doesn't do anything? Um, well, well, I think I think you know, looking looking at the broader term of that idea, I think that brings into kind of the whole perspective of the whole sensation versus versus tension kind of argument. So you know, anything yeah. that we put effort into, you know, we we can make feel hard. You know, obviously, obviously, kind of looking broader at the whole sensation things, we can look at something like booty bands and based on kind of mechanics and anatomy how yeah. that doesn't actually do anything but you know mm. it demands energy even if it's not actually giving us the the outcome that, that we desire you know we have to put effort into into well, those movements okay. i have to put effort into squeezing my bicep you know that can demand a lot of effort and i can feel it working yeah unfortunately so, that's not going to have any sort of outcome in terms of hypertrophy so yeah so i just thought in my head there have a, a good example which is nothing to do with lifting weights but um, let's, you know, let's say, let's say if you want to be a really great hundred meter sprinter, what, well, guess what? A marathon is bloody hard. That's going to feel bloody hard, but it's not going to help you run a hundred meters very fast, is it? Good so Good. it might require a lot of effort, but it, it's not applicable. It's not specific to what you're trying to achieve. And that's, that's probably the best example I can give. Um, so again, it's just breaking things down, asking yourself why and asking yourself, what am I trying to achieve and how do I get there? And that's how you should approach your own home training. That's how you should approach your training in general. 
So, you know, I've been a big proponent of doing, uh, again, more sort of metabolic style work during home training because of the lack of load. Um, it's just as a way to create more work, but more effective work. Um, and also, like, you know, previously mentioned, I've also been a big proponent of doing things you would normally neglect. So again, if you're going to do some sort of superset, which is a really easy way to achieve a metabolic stimulus because it's just tension, just a lot of tension in one go, a lot of density work, um, make it, it, it just has to make sense. It just has to make sense, you know. Um, something as simple as something I like to program in is something as simple as like going from a wall sit straight into a wall hack. That's just fucked out of the lack of acid being built up. Yeah. And it just, it's, it makes sense. It makes sense. Or you could go down the route of, uh, you know, that's, that's, again, referring back to the, the uh, point of maybe training in the extremes where you could, you know, train, do a superset that fatigues, say that short range first, followed by uh, the next exercise for the same muscle that fatigues the length range next, you know, that's sort of a superset you could do, but something like a floor press into a, um, uh, what did you say it was? A floor press into a what? A squeeze press. Yeah, into a squeeze press. Yeah. It, uh, a floor press is going to really only provide a little bit of tension in the mid range uh, mm-hmm. squeeze press is just a terrible exercise. So you're not getting anything out of that. So again, actually break it down, work out what you're trying to achieve and work out how you want to get there and then apply that to your training. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's a, a good way to kind of look at it all. Yeah. Do, yeah. do new things, take advantage of this time, but at the same time, you know, still be logical with your approach. Don't let that be at the expense of still good, solid programming. 